Okay, so it's the 27th of March 2016. I'm here again with Alan. Hello. Firstly, apologies um, for the delay in this, uh, in any sort of content at all. It's just, just the way it is, really. Just had a bit of a uh, timeout. Um, you know, things, just other things have like happened, and that's it. Uh, anyway, so to start off with, then we're going to talk about. Well, Alan actually has watched some new films of come out in the cinema. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be talking about those, Hail Caesar and... Uh, High Rise. High Rise. Then we do. Uh, we're also probably going to go on about, because Alan recently watched American Psycho on um, Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. And I've recently watched as well, like within the last couple of months, so we can talk about that again. Oh, that, you know. Um, and then just also then, just general films we've both watched over the last couple couple of weeks really um but just going on about news in sort of general i mean i suppose the biggest news at the moment although maybe not even would would agree with that but is the whole sort of batman versus superman and what's going on with that obviously it's making money it's doing well in that sense but the, the reviews i mean have been pretty dire from what i've heard and what i've read uh, obviously that you should you know you can't have a full judge judgment until you've actually seen it but I love that. I don't know if you've seen that YouTube clip of Ben yeah, Affleck looking really sad. Yeah. When uh, he does look really sad, like when I first watched, I thought he's probably gonna look sad for a second. But actually, it's, it he is looked, the whole he thing. He looks heartbroken. Um, <laughs> but but to be fair to Ben uh, to, to to him, I mean, he's uh, meant, you know, like everyone said that as far as him playing Batman's concerned, he he does it fine. It's just mm-hmm. the film's not very good. <laughs> it does seem weird considering it's a Superman sequel was meant to be, and it yeah they they sort of just cared about. Batman, really, but then again, he is more interesting character, so... There we go. I suppose what's annoying me, and annoying me in the trailers as well, is, and I think I said this before, is the, um... Is the villain of the piece, Lex Luthor, is played oh, by Jesse... Whatever. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of his, and no. he's, he's seen... And what I've read about his... Like, the way he is in the film, it just sounds like a really annoy, annoying me, so I'm not looking forward to that. Um, I don't like the fact, and this, I only knew this a few weeks weeks ago when I watched the newest trailer. I don't like the fact that Doomsday's been pegged onto it for the last sort of you know twenty minutes or whatever it is, the last thirty minutes. I don't really like much of that. It seems really busy. This is the problem I think I'm going to have with it once I watch it. It's a problem I have with a lot of films, and the main criticism I've read about it is just there's too much going on. It's just overload, and it's like none of it really doesn't really sort of co it's not co co coherent. Mm. This is probably Zack Snyder though, because when I think about his films in general, apart from Dawn of the Dead, I quite liked. Three hundred is okay, but it's basically just good effects and that's it. I mean, you know, not much more to say about that. Um Watchmen, I know Alan's got his issues with that. I personally don't mind it. I think it made changes that it probably had to make, you know, to make it into a film. I have not watched the proper director's cut of that, which I've been told is the one to watch. I've only ever watched the theatrical version, so there we go. But still, it is messy in parts, and considering it's a, it's a superhero film, although I'm guessing it comes from the comic, I don't know, there's not a lot of action really in that, from what I can remember. And the action's pretty terrible, the way he directs it with the slow motion stuff, so I just can't stand. Um... And then Sucker Punch, well, you know, you've, you watched that film once and that's about it, really. I can't, don't think I'll ever yeah, watch it again. My sister lent me the DVD of that, but I, I, didn't, I didn't ever watch it because I didn't want yeah. to watch it. I don't really, I don't, I, yeah. The only thing now with Sucker Punch is quite interesting, of course, is that Oscar Isaac is in it, which at the time we don't really know who he is, but um, one of his first, first ones. And before I remember, oh, I don't know, he was probably fine now, I can't be bothered to watch it again. Um... And then what was it? Man of Steel. Then wasn't it called Superman, which I didn't mind. You know, I think I've always films that was second next to Dawn of the Dead, which I do think is a great film. Dawn of the Dead, his version of that. Um, yeah, but Man of Steel, it's very earnest. You know, it takes all the fun out of it. It's not particularly 
interesting in many ways i guess it takes a it takes a very obvious route of what you know they're trying to do with it and i just think superman is like the least interesting thing about the film which is an annoying considering it's a superman film you know one thing i will say i'm not a big fan of superman in general i've never particularly got on board with the richard with the richard donner you know 1978 film and then the superman 2 and because they all seem really comedic, like a bit too comedic. Yeah, but they look kind of fun and colourful. Saying that, in contrast. I, Christopher Reeve, I think, is fantastic as both Clark Kent and Superman. So when I watch, you know, this new Superman stuff, it's like, well, it's, it's a bit boring, very bland, looks a bit... Like, it, it, it looks nice. Like, it looks nice, like, visually speaking, but it, it, there's nothing to it. It's is like it, soulless. Isn't it all filmed with shaky cam? So there is a lot of shaky cam, yeah. Um... Well, you haven't seen any of Man of Steel. I, I have literally no interest in any of yeah. his films. So, Right. Well, then, and now, of course, he's got the keys to essentially DC with Batman vs. Superman. Um, yeah, so as I say, the review's not been great, and but, you know, obviously you still watch it. And uh, I do find it funny that some of the stars have come up and said things like, oh, you know, um, the critics just don't seem to get it, and, you know, it's the fans who will be the fans that we care about. But what they forget is a lot of critics are fans. Like, they're not all just doing it to be, you know... Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a weird sort of, like, there's an amusing nerd sort of backlash to what critics say, and it's like, oh, all critics are stupid or whatever, and it's just like, well, you know. Some uh, critics, granted, who just don't, like, don't get comments. Well, that's, that's fair enough, but uh, but 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 that, that's not the sort of point. This has come from a lot of geek websites as well, where they've trashed the film, so it's not quite as straightforward as that. Because but it'll obviously make 800 million easy within about two Oh, days, yeah, of course so it will. It's not, that's not surprising to me. I mean, when I came out of the cinema from seeing High Rise, there was a massive queue going, uh, going oh, really? into it. Oh, really? And that was obviously for Batman. You were tempted to like, join the... Oh, team? not in the least. Uh, I, I told you months ago that I had no interest in this film. and I, I, I still do not have interest in it. I'm more looking forward to the big Batman event that's going to be happening this year, the release of the animated version of The Killing Joke. They're filming it now. It's going to be released in about October time. Mark Hamill's doing the voice of the Joker in it, and it's all the usual cast members, and it's the anim- and it's the animated Batman universe, which is far more superior to any film universe we've had for a while. Yeah. Since Tim Tim Burton, so you know. I, there we go. And I think I'd, I'd say I, like we, we said it before. I, I tend to prefer the sort of more colourful Marvel silliness than the. Let's take it really serious, kind of mm. Nolan-y sort of uh, stuff that's going on with a lot of the DC comics and things. Um, just, just looking at the the way the, the the visuals and stuff were, it was just like all dark and oh look how serious we are. And it's just it's a fucking man in a rubber suit who goes around fighting crime. I mean, Jesus Christ, calm, calm yourselves down. I not I can't think of any films I'm particularly looking forward to. I know we did mention. Um... Uh, well, I know obviously there's yeah, the Neon Demon, the Neon Demon, of course, the reference film. But I'm also quite looking forward to Star Trek Three. Well, with Justin Lin. Yeah, there is Star Trek. Isn't it? The film, the film I can think of, which I've heard a lot of people talk about, and it's uh, especially geek boys, like you've just said. Now, um, is it Captain America: Civil War? Oh yeah. But my problem is, although I do like Captain America as as rep- as represented by Chris Evans in the, in in these films, it's also of course got I Iron Man in and. Uh, don't really like Iron Man at all, so don't really care about Civil War. I'd probably watch it, but um, to be honest, I can't think of many films I'm really looking forward to that are coming out this year, really. So, but 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 know. do you keep track of the, the films? No, I, I used to, not anymore. No, I'm, totally... uh, I'm quite looking forward to the new X Men. I think that. Oh, sorry, yeah, X Men. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones I I don't pay enough attention to to know what's yeah. coming out. Um, 
you know, high-rise sort of, I, I was ready for that for quite a while because I'd heard about it quite a long time ago and so I was quite looking forward to that. Uh, same with Hail Caesar a bit, because I like the Coen Brothers and uh, well, let's seg- let's segue then into um, into those two new films that you have watched. Um, Hail Caesar, of course, the Coen Brothers. Yeah. A film I believe they had the idea for about ten years ago. Uh, well, which it, it, it comes 20s. across that way because they, yeah. they've done the nineteen fifties kind of cinema stuff before with Bat and Fink and. Mm. You know, obviously they're, they're very big kind of cinephiles that they know very much uh, the history of cinema and all the rest of it. So they have quite a lot of fun in, in Hail Caesar, like aping different genre films from the from the era. So obviously you have the big historical epic, which is the, what the film's based around, uh, Hail Caesar, which is a version of Ben-Hur. Musicals, I guess. Uh, the, you, you have sort of um, romantic ballroom dramas. You have, uh, the, the, you know, westerns. Uh, a few different uh, genres sort of show up. And they're all represented really well. And it's quite quite amusing uh, watching all that. Especially, like, it, it's one of these films that, that works much better if you understand your 1950s cinema mm. a bit. Uh, you have some idea about the studio system that was going on. And... Um, Maybe uh, you have politics that could find it quite funny. So some of the the stuff that's going on. I watched it with a couple of my mates who who we're all um, you know into Marxism and stuff. Uh, so, so a lot of the jokes uh, we got when it was very clear the rest of the audience weren't really understanding uh, because the the storyline has it that. George Clooney, who's the lead actor in the big um, historical epic uh, thing, Hail Caesar, he's kidnapped by uh, communists who claim to be the future. And they claim to have sort of unlocked all the laws of the future. And there's all these like fun references to, to, to Marx and Marxism and uh, theory of historical materialism and uh, Marxist capital and stuff like this. And uh, they're all these kind of bookish, kind of uh, ridiculous characters who um, who are all like writers. It's a sort of play upon, um, you know, uh, the McCarthy kind of mm. uh, red scare thing. That it sort of plays as though, as though it, it was real in some way, where they're they're putting all these references in the films that that, that make it so uh, they make everyone more left wing or something. Uh, and George Clooney hangs out with them for a bit, and uh, amusingly, he ends up becoming a communist just just by way of hanging out with them and and just being a bit sort of dim and uh, not very very bright. But he's he's really wonderfully funny in this film. He, he plays it really well. The kind of uh, zany, um, you know, big star actor who's not very smart at all. Um, he's very much doing a kind of. It's a bit of a version of um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, okay. uh, where he, he's he's very fun and he's having a lot of fun throughout the film. It's very clear that everyone in this film is enjoying themselves. Um, Channing Tatum uh, shows up in it. Uh, he's in this uh, brilliant uh, musical uh, sequence where they're all dressed up as sailors and they're dancing around this bar. And it's it's like a very, very full-on kind of old 1950s musical uh Sequence, which is just a nice little sort of thing to have in there, and uh, like he ends up becoming the or, or being revealed to be one of the leaders of the of the, of the communist actors and things. Um, Tilda Swindon's in there, she, she, and she plays uh, two uh, twins who are both um, you know Hollywood sort of uh, journalists who uh, you know get into all the sort of um, 
all the personal lives of all these people and all that sort of stuff, the sort of yeah. intrigue that's going on in Hollywood. Uh, you've got, uh, what's his face, um, the, the lead guy in it, uh, Josh Brolin, who plays a version of um, one of these fixer characters from back in old Hollywood, where, you know, if any of the actors or anyone else was involved in some nefarious stuff, he'd try and sort it out so the, the media would 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 lose wind of it and, like, like he'd come up with a cover story for what was going on. For So, for example, Scarlett Johansson's character in the film is pregnant, uh, but she's single, so they, they tried to make it so she has the baby, um, but gives it to someone else and then adopts that baby. Yeah. Uh, so it's as though she's not actually, uh, you know, uh, having given birth to it. So, so you know, she doesn't get into a bunch of controversy and all this sort of thing. And uh, he, he plays it in quite an amusing kind of guilt-ridden uh, way where he's he's just having a really hard time but he very clearly sort of enjoys this sort of stuff and there's a nice little touch where they they're um, Lockheed and Martin the arms company uh, headhunting him to go and work on the nuclear weapons uh, project that's going on um, sort of Cold War kind of stuff going on in the background of the film um, it's a bit of a weird thing where the film starts off with Josh Brolin uh, having gone to a confession because um, he's a he's a Catholic in the film and uh, the idea is that he's he's a super guilty Catholic over like very very little things. He keeps confessing like every single day, and he, the 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 priest has just got sort of losing his patience a bit with him. He he wants you know Brolin to stop coming all the time because he just shows up and confesses that he's smoked some cigarettes after he said that he'd quit and things, and uh, and it's quite amusing. But but it's it's this strange sort of start where you're on this kind of weird footing where um, it's quite serious because of him sort of being very guilt-ridden into all the sort of zany sort of silliness, mm. which which when, it, when the zany silliness is happening, it's it's really good fun and uh, enjoyable. I know, I know some critics didn't uh, much like it and it's got a very... Um, it's got one of their their, their 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 worst openings I think they've they've had for a while. Um, mm. But to be fair, I mean, like, like what, what, what do you expect from a a film like that, I guess, where it's all quite sort of in comedy for people who know about cinema and the way cinema worked back then and all, all the sort of background stuff that's going on with it. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's it's very, very, like, 100% Coen Brothers, where it's a man who's been put upon, uh, he's, just, he's in a situation where just everything bad is happening around him kind of thing, and he's not in any control over it. The classic uh, Coen Brothers uh, theme that's going on, all the references to old cinema, all the, the, the great sort of fun they have, sort of like replicating old sort of movie yeah. styles and things like this. Um, it, and it's got the, the, the Coen Brothers farcical kind of element where it, it, it all sort of uh, peers out as it kind of goes on and uh, you know, whatever's going on it, it isn't of too serious a bearing, uh, like, like once it's all sorted out, it's all fine, and like everyone's just okay with it, uh, which is something you get in the Coen Brothers stuff as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this film. It's really, really good. Um, it sounds like it's more like a burn after reading than um, sort of in inside Luan Davis. Obviously, yeah, yeah, the character's more serious. Uh, I don't like inside Luan and Davis, but but I know what you, the point you're making is it's it's lighter fear. Mm. It's, it's not sort of serious going brothers or whatever. Uh, but, but uh, you know they they're really good at doing sort of like like comedy uh, like that, and there's there's lots of sort of slapsticky kind of stuff in it, which is just done really really very well, mm. and 
Um, there's a few references to all these historical characters that if you know anything about the, the era, then it sort of it helps having uh, to, to, when you're watching it. So yeah, I'd recommend it, but if, if you're not into you know, 50s cinema and things like this, mm. then the chances are you won't get what's going on very much. Uh, so it's, it's, it's worth do, doing that. There, there's a whole series of sort of funny moments where, like Ralph Fiennes is a director of these kind of romantic ballroom dramas, uh, and uh, he gets forced to sort of um, take on this uh, Western actor who is a terrible actor, but he's just a sort of goofy guy in Western mm. films. And he's, he's really bad at saying his lines and, and, and basic blocking and things in uh, when he's filming his, his sequence. And there's a, a really funny back and forth between him and Ralph Fiennes in there. Uh, like Ralph Fiennes is, is, is great in most stuff. And mm. he, he's playing a character somewhat similar to, um, what is it called? The Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Um, the, the Great Hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, whole, the the Budapest, Grand Budapest or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it is a little bit, you know, look at all the celebrities and stuff, but but they're all they're all really good in it. So mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. You should check it out. I think you'd enjoy it. No, well, I don't really. I've never thought of the Coens. I mean, now you've said that, it's quite interesting to think that in their films, they always tend to get quite a lot of, should we call it, good acting talent mm-hmm. littered throughout the film. I mean, even film like Burn After Reading is a good example. Um, maybe not so much something like Inside Who Wedding Days, but they always seem to make these films occasionally where they do just litter them with like at least 10 recognisable stars. Well, they've, they've clearly got a lot of respect yeah. from these kinds of people. And it's funny you mention Wes Anderson, because Wes Anderson is similar, but where I differ with someone like Wes Anderson is, is that his films very much do feel like, oh, here's someone else, oh, here's someone else, cameo for five seconds. But away from that, because it's not going to be uh, my views on uh, Wes Anderson, I am <laughs> I am interested to watch this film, def- definitely. Um, you know, I'm not a massive Coen Brothers fan, not as much as yourself. I still have um, Blood Simple, uh, their gangster film, I forget the name Mills of it. Crossing. Mills Crossing, and another one which I haven't seen, which is just there, which I just haven't watched, because I don't really, I don't know when I'm going to watch it, but... But then you get a film like, you know, not even The Big Lebowski, I can't seem to even bother about that, but then you get a film like um, Barton Fink, which I absolutely love probably more than any of their other films. If, if you um, like Barton Fink, then you I will like love... this, because Barton Fink is, is playing with the same territory yeah, kind of thing, it's the, humorous, the Hollywood sort of stuff. But then it, yeah, it's got the Hollywood angle to it. Um, and it also just the last sort of ten minutes of Barton Fink, where it just all kind of goes to hell. Yeah, I love that with Barn Fink as well, where they have all those metaphors, like it's all like where he is, is like basically purgatory, hell, whatever. It's like I love all that stuff anyway in films. Uh, John Goodman's great. Uh, and I could just talk about Barn Fink forever. But, um, and also Barn Fink before Seven did that thing of what is in the uh, the brief the briefcase or the box, you know? Does mm-hmm. that thing as well, you know? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't say, I, I didn't really bother watching many Coen Brothers films from then on, because I just knew even though... I t- actually, the one I liked probably more than I thought I would was um, The Hutsucker Proxy. Oh, yeah. Let me borrow that. Actually, yeah. I preferred that more than I thought I was, because I, I know that was one which didn't get greatly received. But but, but that is, again, similar to, to Hail Caesar, where it's it, it's a, it's the, one of the comedy ones. It's one of the less serious ones, and it's of the era, and there's lots of references to uh, those kinds of films, like... What's her name? Uh, is it Jennifer Jason Lee in that yes. film? And she's doing a His Girl Friday um, mm. uh, thing, uh, which is, is, is quite funny. I, I quite like it. But I suppose Blood Simple would be interesting to watch because um, it is their first film. Have you not, have you not like, seen Blood Simple? I've got it. I've just haven't watched it. It's, 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 it's classic uh, noir. It's, it's really good. Of course, a, ser- a Serious Man was good as well. Oh, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm not massive Cobras fan. They're not someone who I'm going to be, you know, if the film is on TV, I'm necessarily going to watch it. But I do think this does sound good. I've read a few things about it. And um, to be honest, I didn't realise there was that whole um, sort of communist subplot to it until yeah, yeah. I, I read about it. I didn't even realise there was that sort of angle in it. Uh, and like I say, um, all that is written as broad comedy and it's it's, it's really funny. Uh, and as someone who is a communist, it's, it's, it's made it more funny sort of getting all that stuff. Mm. So going from a, a film light, well, light-hearted-ish, Hail Caesar, we're going to go to a film that um, I'm guessing, although I haven't seen it, is very much not light-hearted. That's high high rise. Well, the, uh, film. some of it is quite uh, light hearted, and it's it's a very knowing comedy, and uh, in in certain senses, because it's Ben Wheatley, and I know you've, you've seen other Ben Wheatley films yeah. where he's playing with quite dark, quite serious territory, but he's he's kind of having fun being goofy with it a bit. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very much a Ben Wheatley film in in that respect. Like like it's it's got this really brilliant cast in it. What's her name? Um, Sienna Miller, um, Elizabeth Moss from from Mad Men. It's got um, I can't remember the actor's name, but from Ashes to Ashes, the lead actress in that, mm. Jeremy Irons, uh, Tom Hillerson, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but he's very very good. Uh, looks looks very very seventies. It's uh, based upon the J.G. Uh, Ballard novel, you know, seventies uh, modernist uh, tower block. Uh, that's all self-contained. It's got like a mall. It's got a gym. It's got like everything that, uh, in it that's been possible. All being masterminded by a character called Royale, played by uh, Jeremy Irons, who's like the, the grand sort of architect who's like lives at the top of the tower. Yeah. Uh, the, the film plays out in this kind of class warry kind of way, where all the, the the you know the poorer people are at the bottom of the the, the tower block, all the rich people are at the top of the tower block. And basically, uh, what happens, like similar to the book, um, it just like escalates really really quickly. Uh, the way the film starts is um, three months in the future after everything's been kicked off and well, like all the hallways are just like full of trash and oh so everything's like, happened basically well, well this, this is just a small sequence right. just to start the film with uh, everything's all fucked up and terrible and it, it's all burning down and all the rest of it and Tom Hilderson's there with a dead dog on a, on a spit like r- rolling it around over a fire and there's a, there's this like shot of him doing that and it's 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 both kind of horrific and quite amusing mm. um then we cut back to three months uh prior um tom Hilderson's character has just moved into the flat uh to to, to, to his flat inside there um again all self-contained there's there's all these uh, immunities and things there the the, the, the various um appliances and all this sort of stuff uh yeah, it's it's all been designed very very well as well. There's this this very full on seventies sort of aesthetic going on with with all the labels and all all this sort of thing that's that's in the uh, tower block. He's uh, in a flat below Sienna Miller's uh, character's one, and they end up meeting quite early on, and uh, you know they're probably getting off with each other, and uh, Elizabeth Moss is pregnant, and she's her husband is uh, this character called Wild, who's done these documentary films, and is quite um, uh, abrasive to a lot of the different people in there. Uh, and basically, uh, what happens is it just everything just slowly starts breaking down, and then just escalates really, really quickly once it has begun. Uh, there are all these kind of very, very decadent parties going on there. Um, 
uh, uh, w- one of which you have all of the rich people dressed up as old sort of like French aristocrats and things with all the sort of like wigs and the 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 the, the frills and the outfits and everything. Uh, Tom Hilderson's character gets invited to this party there, and then he's quickly mocked and and, and ejected from the party for for having shown up in a suit. And uh, you know they're all taking the piss out of him. That there's very there's this very overt class war kind of them thinking they're better than us kind of uh, like like uh, characterization to, to to these people. And basically everything just totally breaks down and, uh, you know, they start battering their wives for food and things and just everyone's fighting things and over the scraps that are left inside the, the, the tower bloggers. Uh, it's so been designed in such a way that the sort of yeah. energy distribution or whatever, the electricity keeps going out and it really pisses off the, the, the lower people inside the, the, the tower block because it's more negatively affecting them than it is people at the top if their their security the, their electricity supply has been sort of secured a bit better. Uh, so there's all this sort of tension there but due to this and um, a lot of the rich people at the top don't like any children at all and uh, there's this sort of pivotal scene where um, the wild character takes all these children from this party and they all go to the pool which has been closed and they've been kicked out of because the children have been too loud and they, and they all just show up there and just start, like just you know have a blast and have lots of fun and piss off all the the rich people and everything and it, and it just basically just descends into craziness uh, very very quickly and it happens in the book in this way as well where it's just like okay suddenly everything's fucked up um, the way the transition from things functioning somewhat normally to things being completely uh, broken down uh, is, is quite sudden and uh, not fully sort of explained in that kind of way. But one of the things you get with the J.G. Ballard stuff is the idea of, um, you know, the, the, you have the modernism thing, you have the sort of class war thing, and there is the idea that below the... Uh, surface veneer the superficial yeah. kind of, uh, of like front uh, exists just sheer barbarity uh, to, to, uh, and, and as soon as the sort of veil comes down just everyone's just acting like crazy barbarians and it, or every man for themselves kind of uh, insanity kind of uh, ensues where you know they start eating horses and things and uh, all, all the women have been sort of like like taken as as uh, uh, owned by all the rich people at the top and things and uh, like everyone's just fighting these these crazy sort of fights and it's it, it's just sheer craziness once it all kicks off um, it's quite hard to explain uh, due to that um, but but I, I quite enjoy my you know 1970s modernism and my class war and all the sort of like fun jokes where you have uh, Thomas Hiddleston like fighting over this tin of paint inside the, this this mall and they have this really big fight and then he, he goes back home and he's just painting his like like thing um, uh, like sky blue color while everything around him is just going crazy and um, you know he's covered in paint and, and blood and things and uh, just everyone is a complete mess uh, it, it, it's 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 really good fun. Uh, it sounds it sounds very much like well it's different but um, uh, what was that sci-fi film we watched uh, a few years ago I think now maybe last year about the train. Oh um yeah it's a bit like that uh shit fuck what, Storm um, Snow, Snowbreaker or Snowpiercer Snow 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 yeah. um, but that seems more Korean. sort of this seems much more sort of uh to me over the top even. Uh yeah yeah where where is that one had a bit more of a 
this one definitely has the same social stuff going on, but at the same time, there is this kind of gleeful misanthropy going on where mm. everything's breaking down and they're all clearly having quite a lot of fun with it. Um, and, you know, this sense of humour is, is, is very sort of apparent in there while it's all going on. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, and it's filmed very, very nicely. It looks really, really good. It's got really good uh, music throughout. There's a there's a Portishead cover of um, SOS by ABBA in the film, which you apparently can't find anywhere on the internet right now, but um, it's in the film. It's really good. Um, really sort of creepy well, and weird. I would say, again, that this sounds like something I definitely would watch, probably definitely more so than Cohen's film. Um, do they go out of the building at all? Uh, a little bit. Like, 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 like he's a doctor, so he, he, um, it starts off uh, very much him going to the to the sort of uh, doctor's place and there's this fucking horrible sequence where um he's uh i don't know what kind of doctor he is but he's he's showing these students what the the human uh, head and he's like cutting it in half and trying to get the brain and ripping off the face of it it's really gross but like like, it's very much in keeping with the rest of the film this you know there's the veneer there's tearing it away and there's just sheer fucking blood and nastiness yeah. uh very much like that beginning of like blue velvet with the you know the the, the camera that cuts into the nice suburban yeah. place so that it goes into the grass and then it's just bugs eating each other's faces and stuff is there a winner or is that not the point uh not this really um it, it, it gets to a point where it's just like ah there you go <laughs> like everything you'd have thought if anything living on the top although i can see what you mean about the top is the wealthier people you'd think if it all starts to kick off the top would be the worst place to be because the people from the bomb can in theory like start a fire or yeah but they all live in there and stuff don't don't take it too seriously it's a silly film uh uh, where none of this can actually happen exactly but but it's it's a very good social sort of satire on society and everything just look at it look at it like in america you've got this stuff with trump sort of becoming uh president and you know all the horrible things going on in the world and it's just <laughs> you get the sense that the uh, the veneer the superficial veneer is coming off and the sheer barbarity behind it is 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 you know going to be unleashed uh and uh this film very much sort of wants to sort of represent it that way i think right. uh there, there's there's like it, as though it wasn't sort of clear enough when it's happening there, there, there's this bit at the end where there's this kid after like just sort of surveying the chaos on top of this um it's like a bloody um umpire sort of tower thing um and he's got the radio on and it's margaret thatcher's giving some speech about what capitalism is and and, and stuff and it's just like there there you go <laughs> mm. uh you know uh and it, it's 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 one of those bits, so I was saying to my mates how it's a little bit crude, but at the same time, I had a really big smirk on my face while it was happening, uh, it's just because it was a very good kind of exclamation mark with which to sort of end the film. And uh, yeah, yeah, and, and all of the, um, the the actors in it are brilliant. Um, it's, it's got loads of different character actors that you've seen in lots of stuff, like I said. Um, yeah, really hardcore, really full-on, decadence of the sort of, bourgeoisie and all this sort of thing mm. is in it so with Ben Wheatley then getting a bit more of a budget getting some uh, good actors you think he's uh, risen up to the uh, general uh, well he's, he seems to be um, I noticed on, on Lubby they've got um, Dan Terrace on there have you seen that film that's his first film that's, I've heard it's his first one yeah uh, so I might pick up that and uh, check out that um, in the week 
because I think I've seen the rest of his films. Mm. Um, what was it? It's Kill List, the Sightseers, it's Field uh, England. Field in England. Yeah, we talked about Field in England yeah. a bit. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like it's it, it's it's kind of close to Field in England in a way, I guess. Where you know, Field in England just just fucking kicks off and just goes mental, like yeah. like, like out of nowhere kind of thing, and. Uh, you don't have any idea what's happening. Uh, it, 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 it kind of does a bit of that in it, um, but it, it's it's there is this gleeful misanthropy to it, which makes it kind of good fun. And uh, if you're you know paying attention to the way you know everything's going at the moment, it's it's quite a good sort of commentary on it. So yeah, definitely check it out. I think I think you'd uh, enjoy it. I think I would actually. Yeah, well, we we both like. Uh, so yeah, so two films you've watched that you can't say have been disappointing efforts. You know? No, no, very, 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 very good. So yeah, so as I said to you before, you you walked out of the cinema, you saw the cues for uh, Batman vs Superman, you just uh, oh, well, gone by. I, I did say it as I was walking back. You're all queuing up for the wrong film, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I'm sure they all enjoyed Batman vs Superman. Uh, that's not going to be so. What have you been um, Well, mine's been. You know, just, You've been mysterious about this. Yeah, just odds and ends, you know, odds and ends. Uh. One thing I did watch um, the 1999 Haunting film. The Haunting. The 1999. Uh, I've got a film, to be honest with you. Um, it's one of the first films that I watched in the cinema where I thought, oh, I'm going to be watching a horror film in the cinema, this is great, you know? Oh, like yeah. 15, 16, whatever. I think it was only 12 anyway, so I should have guessed. And, um... Is it a haunted house? Basically, Liam Neeson, uh, is this, you know, doctor or whatever. I don't you know what he is. He's just doing a study on uh, people's fears. And he wants to get people together in this house, which he knows is meant to be haunted. And then see what happens to them. Um, he plays it off like it's a study for sleep. So it's people who are insomniacs or people who can't sleep. He brings them to the house. It's all about trying to help trying to help them through that reason being he doesn't want them to know what's actually going on until it happens or until they experience anything you know if they actually do and um and that's it you know they all these people meet up and the film descends into whoa lots of special effects lots of, lots of non-creepy stuff and just you know silly little effects little children effects like uh, this film is a good excuse, a good, no, sorry, a good show of a film that's just got way too much budget and there's no innovative stuff going on at all. There's nothing exciting about it, nothing scary about this at all. Um, it's based off uh, a 1963 film, which is also called The Haunting, which is superior in every way to this. Um, although it does have a really pathetic voiceover that I hate in that film. But anyway, apart from that, fantastic, where all these people meet up, same sort of situation. But the horror, A, it's black and white and that really helps. But B, um, because they haven't got the money, because there's no such thing as C CGI back then, it's all done through just noises and you know, atmosphere and everything. And it is flipping scary. Like there's bits in that film where the people are stuck in one room, they can hear the noises in like the other room, like going around the room, so it's getting nearer and nearer towards the door, and that is just really creepy. They do a similar thing in this haunting film, but it's just all done through. Well, it's just it's basically. It's all done through just really gross out effects. And when I say gross out effects, I mean gross as in, oh, that's just bloody and awful. I mean gross as in just, it's just gross to watch, you know, it's just over the <laughs> top, you know, it's too much. And I mean, I watched this film when it came out on video, I rented it. 
to watch again, as if I needed to watch it again. And even my mum, you can pretty much doesn't like horror films at all. She thought it was So yeah, it's me in every way. And uh, Liam Neeson's not very good, and no one's very good. Owen Wilson's pretty annoying in it. Uh, Catherine Teacher Jones, for some reason, is is um, she's a very overt sort of lesbian in it for just no reason sort of thing. Like it doesn't really seem like there's any point for that. Um, whereas the first film plays off the whole history of the house and but that was it it was like the house itself was bad like bad things had happened in the house but from the very foundations of the house being built it was just you know it was just it, it's just the house itself is bad if that makes sense I know it's a silly mm. concept but that was the, the idea of it the house itself just born bad this film takes the onus away from the house at all and it's about the guy who actually built the house the owner and it's about what he was doing with um, basically people who's having to build the house and how he was with his wife and his kids and it's just, it's just really silly. And he got this big CGI fire at the end with the uh, you got this painting. It's really meant to be quite oppressive painting. It's not really, but it's meant to be this like massive sort of grandiose painting of this guy, the owner of the uh, house. And right at the end, he he actually comes out of that painting and starts fighting them. Like like like. On Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, it was done well better in Ghostbusters too. But yeah, no, it's just not very good. Um, I don't know, it's um, it's just awful. And I mean, when you compare it to the older film especially, when you, when you compare it to most Haunted House films or most ghost films, I mean, it's just, it's, it is it is one of the worst. And that's quite bad considering the budget that was spent on it. And the talent that was kind of involved in it. I mean... Yeah, I don't. I just pretty terrible. I'll quickly just mention uh, another film I watched, a 1987 film called The uh, Stepfather. Have you ever seen this? Stepfather. No. Uh, about a guy who, um, based on some sort of fact about a, a guy in America who he um, he was with one family, and then it all gets too much for him. He ends up killing 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 them all, hopping on a train to another place where he's already been with this other family, like set up. A sort of situation there where he's got involved with the mother and the daughter and they know who he is and you know he's now going there to live mm-hmm. and uh, he goes and lives with them um and but it's all about how actually the reason why i actually do like this film quite a lot is because the lead in it i always get his name he's in like uh, lost and a few other tv programs more like recently but in this film he he's such a good actor playing the stepfather where he comes across like well he's quite he actually does care about the family he wants you know he wants the daughter to do this and you know he has got a few rules and he does muck up occasionally with those rules but he generally keeps all together until he goes down to his base his basement where he just lets off his steam and obviously that's seen by the daughter once where he just totally flips but obviously thinks no one can see him and then he quickly changes and just that change from being all sort of manic to being all oh, just kind of nice you know it's very hard to do that I think and I do like the way the actor does it. Um, and that was what makes the film. Everything, everything else, I don't really care about. You know, it's all about the lead, the lead performance, which I think is really, really good. Um, there isn't enough. It's not a slasher film. Some people might think it's a slasher film. It's not really. There's only particularly like three deaths that you see in the whole film. It's not that he actually commits sort of thing, or even just one death really, because the other two people actually don't die. Of course, it all just flip out for him. Of course, but it's interesting. It's interesting things like. There's stuff that goes in the paper about this guy who murdered his family, and of course the daughter sees the face, um, hears about it, and somehow she thinks that her stepfather there's something not quite right about him, and she's starting to piece some things together. He 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 overhears this. He overhears her talking to the um, like government or something about can she have the picture of the guy who like, committed the murders. Um, he intercepts the mail. So it's all interesting things like this where. 
there's moments where it's like dun 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 like he's gonna confront her he's gonna like you know tell her off what she's doing he doesn't quite like he keeps it close to his chest obviously you then see the picture and it's essentially him with a beard that he's now shaved off but the film's got a really good bit in it really really good bit where of course through throughout the film you do get the impression he's done this several times before and he kind of kind of forgets who his daughter is like was it his last daughter is it, is it this daughter but he, he does it to him himself so nobody really picks up on it but he's in the kitchen and things have slowly been going downhill for like the last couple of months and he, he's actually quit his job although he has he, has, he hasn't told anyone about it but he, he doesn't know when he's going to start killing the, the mother and daughter. But he knows at some point he will. And he's in the kitchen with um, the mother. And she mentioned something about, oh, I've, I phoned up uh, your work earlier on. And I got told that you, you don't work there anymore. And he was and he's like, oh, damn it, it's that new like secretary. Oh, she, she gets things wrong all the time. Oh, you know, and, he, and he sort of laughs it off. You know, and it all gets fine. And then he calls her the wrong the wrong, the wrong wrong name. Like calls like Sarah or something. She's like, who's Sarah? And then he's like, oh, wait, 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 what? Who... Who 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 am I here? And it's done in such a good way that she's like, what? And it's like, oh shit! It's like, yeah, now everything's just gonna have to kick off. And it does. And he obviously gets a knife and does does what he does. The mother gets the most brutal attack. Where this film does kind of, I think it does. It doesn't quite ring true to itself. You know, I have read a lot of. I've read quite a lot about you know serial killers and stuff. I've read a lot about these murders that take place in uh, mostly America. It has a high rate of it. I know the type of situations that can come up from these things. And like basically, yeah, okay, the mother just gets stabbed and she's pretty much dead. The daughter then comes home and you're thinking, oh shit, you know, she's going to have to run away or something's going to happen to her. She manages to just get the upper hand in all the situations with him. Like literally, she can, she, you know, she able to fight him off. She can do these things. You're just thinking, oh come on, not that I want to die. But it's like. I want him to, have, to be much more of a threat, like at least get some, uh, oh, I don't know, it's a bit... <laughs> making yourself sound like a crazy person. Yeah, but I kind of, <laughs> I want it to be more of a threat from him, really, but in the end she gets away, then, you know, there we go, he obviously has his come, comeuppance. I do think it's re a, a great leading role, you know, directed fine, I guess. Great script, and I just like the little, the the little, the little moments. There's this thing about a birdcage that he's built for them, and then at the end, the, the end of the film, they they knock the like birdcage down, and they just you know totally, you know, slaughter it because obviously it just reminds them of him. And there's like the little moments throughout the film of just there's there's a party and people talking to him about family and how he's got a perfect family, and obviously he can never quite. Although he, he's very good at keeping a straight face, he can the the craziness is always coming to the to the surface so i do like that a lot um i have seen the uh newer remake believe it or not they did make a remake of this back in like 2009 i think also called the stepfather and that was awful for i remember i, I didn't really watch much of it um this is a much better version much better film of course it's the original and um it's the one i'd watch if i had a choice um, I have watched more things. Have you? Uh... Uh, I've watched a few other sort of B movie kind of things, but but I don't really. I shouldn't really talk about Pitch Black or or Oliver Reed Fair Trade or you know Cipher. Cipher was quite fun actually. Um, stupid kind of. I've heard of Cipher, yeah. Losing your personality. You're a corporate spy. Who am I really? Who am I working for? Blah blah blah, sort of stuff. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's kind of fun. I don't really want to get into it. Yeah. Um, I rewatched The Martian again, which yeah. was which is brilliant. It's held up just as well the, the second time. I I really like Matt Damon on Mars, uh, which is you know the subtitle of the film. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, uh, the only other film uh, really worth talking about is uh, American Psycho, um, which I really enjoyed. Christian Bale. It's an early Christian Bale film, isn't it? Very early, yeah. Uh, he's very, very good in it, uh, playing this um, really dorky, fucking psychopathic, murdering, uh, rich Wall Street 80s yuppie sort of prick. Hmm. Um, and the, the, the film just basically plays upon the whole idea of, you know, uh, you have these, uh, the, the kind of people who uh, are working for, for Wall Street are all scumbag, uh, psychopath uh, people. And I think there was a study that went into it about how uh, most people in boardrooms have to be sort of psychopaths in some sort of way because... Hmm. Obviously, all the decisions they make sort of ruin loads of people's lives just so they can get more money and things. Uh, so it, it plays with these kinds of themes. Uh, it's very sort of 80s kind of competitive, uh, young people with too much money competing with each other. Like, like the, the, there's this hilarious scene where they've all got uh, business cards and they're all sort mm. of competing with, with which yeah, one's got the mm. best uh, business card, which which uh, off-white colour is the, mm. the best. That's so probably like, That's probably the most, I'd say it's, Probably the best scene in the film, just for the yeah. Well, there's a few scenes like it though, like like, like where like some of the, the touches that come from the book are, are just genius. Where you have uh, Christian Bale's uh, Patrick Bateman character talking about uh, at length um, the music of uh, Huey Lewis in the news, Huey Lewis in the news yeah. uh, Phil Collins, yeah. and uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, Whitney Houston, yeah, Whitney Houston, yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he's, you know, he's listening to all this really terrible music um, and he's got this like very full on kind of exegesis of, of, of all these different albums and things. And it's, it's, it's quite funny as he's, he's, he's got some sort of uh, prostitutes around to, 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 you know, be really fucking nasty to. Um, and uh, he's just, b- b- before they, they start, he just feels the need to explain Phil <laughs> yeah. Collins to them. Uh, and yeah, he, he clearly like, delights in, in, in uh, <laughs> going through all of this. Uh, and, and they've made the character just really, really dorky, uh, but he thinks he's kind of cool and he's got this very kind of, very precise about everything with his like regimen for like how he sort of uh, sets himself up for the day and everything and you know he's he's a evil fucking crazy serial killer and he goes through this sort of thing where he kind of just wants to be caught for what he's doing yeah. and uh, whatever he does he's like, like because he's surrounded by all these psychopathic rich people he just gets away with it and there's this whole sort of sequence of him sort of admitting what he's done to the lawyer and the lawyer just denying that, that, that he has done these things um, and th- there's, a, there's a bit of a kind of um, personality crisis thing running through the, the, the film as well where uh, he's he's got this whole kind of who am I thing going on and uh, you know as he's trying to fit into this world kind of thing because he, do, he's, he doesn't really fit in like everyone else yeah. because he is such a sort of crazy person uh, he plays it brilliantly. Um, I think what's his name? Oh, uh, the the guy who plays the director in the Holland Drive. Just, oh yeah, um, just in something. Theo Theo. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, they're both kind of these Wall Street people, and uh, the kind of conversations they have. Well, he's we, talking about apartheid. We should uh, we should end apartheid for once. Oh yeah, there's this hilarious touch. Where, Do you understand like, what's going on in Sri Lanka? Uh, for, for for some reason that they, they they've written in that the, the, the Christian Bale has some idea about uh, current affairs and things, and uh, it's it's quite a fun sort of little joke where. He doesn't really care about this sort of stuff. He just wants to be more clever than yeah. the people around him. And uh, um, yeah, it, it's all played very, very well. Uh, I, I couldn't help but feel watching the film though that uh, the if it was in someone like Nicholas Winding Refn's hand, it would have been like a lot better film. Mm. Um, uh, the, the, like the way that his character is with his kind of craziness and. Uh, the way the kind of film is, like the kind of hyper sort of for, like. Uh, for you mean almost like what was done in Bronson sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, the, the sort of well, or, or like only God forgives or something like this, where it's just very, very like formally sort of like like, like put together and. Um, uh, but, but it wasn't it wasn't done in that kind of way. It was, it was directed well because um, it, it it so, somehow it it's got this. Because I, I was a bit worried watching it, they were just going to be really grim and horrible. But it's quite funny, actually, the film. Uh, and the film uh, where it's playing with these kind of tonal shifts is kind of having quite a bit of fun with itself. Um, it's like when he's got the body in the bag and he's putting it in his car and, and his friend spots him and he's like, uh, "Where?" And he he thinks he's gonna like say, "What's in that bag?" So, yeah, yeah. Where'd you get that overnight bag? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, the the bit when he runs outside of um, the guy he's murdered flat. And he's completely naked, but he's got like trainers on and mm. a um, trainers and socks and a chainsaw as he's running after this woman. And it's a horrible thing what he's doing, but it's quite amusing just just for, for the, the way it's been represented. So I think I think that was a good creative choice to sort of play up the sort of um, absurdist, make fun of the guy kind of uh, mocking uh, sense so, of humour to it. Two things then. One. I always thought when I like it, when I've watched this film, Meg Tycho, I've watched it quite a few times in the past, and um, the secretary. Yeah. I always sort Chloe of. Louise Sivan, yeah. Yeah, I always think that she was pretty good in it because quite innocent in a yeah, way, yeah, yeah. and especially that bit where she's over his apart apartment and they're just talking, and he and he's, and he suddenly just has this like massive like nail gun, yeah, and, yeah, right, pointing, exactly and you're right. thinking, oh, this could, this is, you know. Doesn't happen obviously in the film, but I like. It's quite a good like sequence that. where where he wants to kill her, but he, yeah. he also wants to not kill her, yeah. and he's conflicted, and uh, so he, he plays that quite well. How do you feel about? Because obviously in the book, I think it's also played up as well. How do you feel about the the fact of what is actually going on in in this film? So do you think that he is this guy? He is doing these killings. What we're watching is all real, or is it all in his head? I think he's a murderer in the film, uh, but it. Because the ending is played, very odd, considering it's what played you're... with this kind of like "who am I" kind of thing, because no one recognizes who he is, and they all think that he's someone else. Um, so it, it could be read in such a way that it is all in his head. But um, I think I think the way it's it's done is is to sort of represent the fact that everyone around him is is allowing him to function uh, as a, as a psychopath. That's another way of looking at it, yeah. Because I, I always thought, because of course the big thing is the Paul Allen stuff, the stuff you yeah. find at the end. Well, I just saw him a week ago in like London or something. And you think, oh, so he is alive. Uh, I th I think that he didn't see him in London. Right. And okay. That I he suppose, said yeah. this because he's the lawyer, and he's like, 
what are you doing? You don't fucking admit crimes to a lawyer. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was what he was doing. He was just shutting him down uh, because he's like... And, of course, the last speech, isn't it, where he's just sitting down, he's, like, saying, like, I just, you know, you might look at me and we might gaze and you might think that my hands, are, the, the blood in my hand is the same as yours, but I, you know, and I, I might look at you and you might think I'm thinking normally, but I'm just... I love that last speech, basically, that last sort of bit. Um, well, well, it's... It, it, most it, 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 it's, it's, quite, it's quite a... It's worth watching uh, with uh, High Rise because High Rise again plays with a sort of class war kind of rich people decadence uh, um, beneath the veneer of sort of superficial everything nice. There is just sheer barbarism and barbarity below. And this film plays with some of that sort of stuff as well, where he thinks he's better than everyone else, uh, like all of these Wall Street people do. There is this decadence uh, thing going on with it. There is this. Um, you know, veneer of uh, I'm just a smiley, happy kind of person. Uh, well, it's but the beginning is psychopathic as well, isn't it? With with the cards, and it's like, well, only only five hundred quid this this time. You know, they all have their uh, their sort of planning cards. They just put in. Yeah, there, so yeah, exactly. Um, moments like that where obviously it's throwaway line, only five hundred quid this time. You know, and it's it's them competing with each other for like which one's the the most rich or them. The most decadent. Directed by a woman as well. Yeah, yeah, was, which uh, is interesting. Which, well, reading about it, it was it. Uh, there was a documentary on the film with it, and because there was such a feminist backlash to the actual book, I think they felt that they, that they like um, her to do it. And there was a bunch of sort of controversy uh, with making the film with Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be the lead yeah. character in it. And the director, she was worried that this would ruin the film because it would uh, tone down any of the kind of. Uh, psychopathic violence things and uh, that we need to do backstory and all this sort of thing and that's the nice thing that this film hasn't got it doesn't go yeah into, you're right I actually never thought about that you're right it doesn't go into his origins at all he's just a fucking psycho and, and, and that's that's what you get uh, yeah it, it's it's a really well played film like I say I'd, I'd be interested in seeing like a winding reference style remake just because of the the formality of how, how sort of crazy the film is I think it would work that way but um yeah, I, I I very much enjoyed it, and uh, you know it's it's I I regretted having you know taken this long to watch it actually because you know it's it's one of these classic films. Maybe you should uh, take longer and probably never watch American Psycho two though. Oh well, I'm obviously not going to watch American Psycho two. Um, You're the one who watches the William Shatner. William Shatner's in it. Oh well, saying that makes me want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, high school teacher or something. Um. I watched. Do you have similar uh, thoughts on American Psycho as well? Oh yeah, I mean American Psycho is one of my go-to films. Um, every the first time I watched it when I was about fifteen, I instantly liked it. I liked it at the beginning because I just found it hilarious. Like as you say, with like the music and um, how how it how it really kind of delved into his like personality. But as you say, without a backstory, without really knowing much about him, which is quite interesting. I always thought that some of it was a bit like um, the bit with the secretary, like I say. I never really liked right from the get go the um, Willem Dafoe, the fact that he kind of goes in and out of it. Whereas, like, I wanted the police to have more of a presence. You, you, you have no where where. Yeah, and like they go off for of food, and he's too pally with him. I know, okay, you say that's how it is, but he was just way too pally with him. I thought, considering he but could, it's ambiguous. To be fair, I mean, like, you don't know if he's he's hassling him to try and get him to sort of, um, you know, what's the word, um, incriminate himself. Or if if Willem Dafoe is just 
is actually that stupid and he's just uh, I suppose <laughs> likes the, the rich guy. The ending as well kind of bothered me, although the way you've put it is interesting. But I, I kind of didn't like... I kind of never yeah, liked the idea. Not, if it is I a case of it's all in his head, it's like, well, that's not... like. I, I want him to be this Omega Psycho guy if that's what he actually is. Obviously, I love all the idea of him just making notes on everything and just he has his day routine, the way he talks about people in his head, and especially like from the very beginning, like uh, when he just goes to the, when they go to the um, this sort of club and he's talking to the woman very normally, and then he's like, I'm going to kill you basically. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm I quite like all those touches where, yeah. where like he sat with her with his fiance. And he's just drawing this woman being mm. de- destroyed by chainsaw. Or he says something, doesn't he? What are you into? I'm into murders and acquisition, uh, murders and and executions, and really, it's yeah, murders yeah. and executions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is quite a funny little uh, like. But 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 look, that's one of the things that makes it apparent that he's he's not hiding the fact that that, that he's one of these people. But for some reason, everyone else enables him uh, around him to, to be that kind of horrible person. And also um, being a being a cure fan. I love the thing of um, when they meet up when they're, they're all there with all the the hip the the yuppies as you call them which is which what you call them and uh, they have like the cousins and they're like from England or something oh yeah the goths, and yeah, they, yeah, yeah and I'm thinking oh just just you know I wasn't expecting something like that basically there's, there's, uh, I think well, that's the conversation where it goes on about this whole tirade about apartheid and we, we, and like we should end world hunger for young for for one there's you know. quite a lot of like nice eighties touches uh, to it as well and um, yeah it's just where he's like. He's so arrogant in in what he's doing uh, with these murders and things. He's just like leaving a mess. And he's just running around like like in the open. Uh, but he, he thinks he's And he, he goes can get back to the apartment, doesn't he? Yeah, that's the thing. He goes like, back to the apartment. That's where sleeping with the prostitutes. Yeah, thing, and yeah. she's like, I think you should go now. He said, I've come here for the ad and the times. There, oh yeah, that's, no that's a, a weird. Uh, like I'm thinking, why? Like, is this the pl- like these are that bit and the Paul Allen bit always just confused me watching. I don't know why. They want to confuse me. Why can't we just have a straight... Not straightforward, but just have this... Like Bronson then. Just go, just go no, for it. No, I, I, I agree with you there. Because I, I I wasn't aware of the ambiguity in the film uh, until I, I, I put it on. Uh, I'd, not, I'd not heard about it before or anything. So it was a bit strange that it decided to do that, I think. Um, because he does go to a... Th- we all see him. There is that scene where he goes to the... Um, um, the lawn, the like lawn, the laundrette, and he's obviously got something on his sheets that is probably blood, and they can't get it out. And he's arguing with a quite a good scene as well, of course. And I oh, well, that's, an, that's another sort of I'm arrogant enough to go with yeah. blood stained sheets into to a well, laundrette. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah, fantastic. Um, again, like there is a lot. I mean, obviously, you he's just not a nice guy in any way. Like it's not just the no. fact that he's killing women, but he's obviously he's just. As you say, he doesn't care about anyone. But you're right. Actually, I never thought about it. But yeah, you literally know nothing about his family or him, like where he came from. You just you obviously well, like, know. You know what thing about his family is about the fact that he's got the job that he's got because his dad uh, that actually runs the company, um, which again goes into that. Yeah. So American Psycho then. Very good. Yeah, I do agree with the reference thing though. I think he would do a good job of it. Um, I watched uh, quite a recent film, watched it again. I think it's my third time watching it. It's uh, Steven Soderbergh, Behind the can- Candelabra. Oh, that's quite good, yeah. The Michael Douglas. You've seen it three Matt times, I love this film. Oh, I actually right. do like this film a lot, considering it's not really in my wheelhouse. Well, actually, no, it is. I like films about the deconstruction and also the the real sort of getting into a relationship and how it can fall apart. Yeah. Like, this is basically what the film's sort of about. I've I, I got to be honest, it's not, there's not a lot I can say that's bad about this film. I think Matt they Damon... They both play it not, really well as well. Matt they? Damon, who I'm not usually a fan of, but there are certain <laughs> films like The Martian where he's good, you just mentioned it. He's fantastic in this. It's like this... Um, 
this kind of like really kind of affable like he just wants to do something in, in, in life but he's a nice guy as well and he you know through friends of his he meets um obviously um i've now forgotten his name Liberace. Uh, yeah michael douglas isn't it michael douglas who is fantastic actually in this uh in fact i can't say i've ever seen michael douglas be so method um he is he sort of takes on the role as uh Liberace really really well and you know you you almost get to a stage where you think you are watching like sort of Liberace he sounds just like him he, he moves like him everything about it is exactly the same and um, it's just absolutely I think that the film goes down some really like as the story develops and of course you know from what I hear it's, mo it's mostly based on fact but the story goes down some really crazy routes like crazy avenues you just start thinking I can't believe what's like going on like, I can't believe that they've now, you know, they fucked up this relationship and everything seems okay. And then, you know, the Liberace's telling him to do this plateau just yeah. look more like him and everyone's just going along with it. But as the sort of, you know, relationship, <laughs> like, as it plateaus and as things start going badly. Also, this 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 film's got a lo lo lovely, like, lots of good people coming to his cameras. Like, Rob Lowe has never been better than what I've seen in this film. Um, the guy from Quantum Leap that I've now forgotten his name and also Star Trek uh, Enterprise oh, yeah, <laughs> Steve yeah. Something after, isn't it? he's quite he's good and um, um, oh the guy from Ghostbusters Bill uh, Bill Atkinson okay, I can't remember the name ah, the guy from the guy from Ghostbusters anyway um you know, it's got a good 70s kind of aesthetic thing going as well. It has, yeah. No, are, are you, you, All the sort of pretty mm, suits and things. You can tell that the um, that the budget wasn't great on it because the bit where he goes uh, on a plane to fly uh, across the river state, um, it's just got a little short shadowy like toy toy plane sort of thing. So I'm guessing that's to say that we didn't get much of a budget for this. But... Um, but no, it's uh, it's it's. I think it's a great film purely because of the story, purely because of what actually goes on in this film. I do think it's very well um, d uh, directed as well. I do think it's uh, very sort of very. It's acted with real sincerity by everyone, and I and I think as you know, Liberace turns out to not be so nice, and he he wants to get rid of Matt Damon. Basically, the way that's all done, I think is really really good. Um, I like how they both are quite similar, but also very diff different, and that's obviously the reason for the relationship just collapsing. Obviously, you can sort of see it coming. Like you know, there are it plays out for a while of um, you know Liberace's. He's like saying, "Oh, I think we should see other people, but we can still obviously be together." You know, blah blah blah, and then you find out there's this other guy, and obviously that tips my demon over the edge. Um, but I still like the fact with with Matt Damon's character, even though okay now he wants his money because you know again this sort of like he's leaving him and you know all all this, but he, he always had sort of feels nice about it actually, like it's never totally sort of bad really bad feelings or bad vibes. And um, the film does this thing where right at the very beginning he really is a proper psycho. He, he turns out that way, yeah, much more than you think so. But at the beginning, when Liberace first meets uh, the Matt Damon character, he's all obviously he's very affable and nice and all like, oh yes, come in, come in, come into mm -hmm. my parlour, all this. And there's this guy there just eating his food, and it's quite a nice little moment because like every time Liberace says something, this guy's like, oh, like he hates Liberace basically, and you, and you work out this guy's been with him for a while, worked with him, and it's just he just he just 
as time's gone on, he just doesn't like Liberace at all. And then the film does the same thing there with the Matt Damon character. It's very similar setup. When people come in, they joke with a little like Liberace, and he's just there. Eating it it goes a bit Boogie Nights, doesn't it? Where he, he does like a more Matt Wahlberg, where it just all goes completely wrong, and yeah. he's doing all the drugs. Yeah, and all yeah that's actually a good thing to say, a like, good sort of comparison in that sense. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I like this film purely because of the story, like uh, the way it's acted as well, but I like the avenues it goes down. I think it just goes absolutely crazy. And... Um, when you read that a lot of this is probably true, then uh, it's even better, really. Yeah. Um, well acted across the board. Steven Soderbergh, it'd be a shame if he does stop making films, which I keep on hearing him saying every year, because um, I might agree with what he's saying, but, you know, when he does stuff like this, I'm very appreci- appreciative of it. Well, I want to watch um, Sex, Lies and Videotape. Cause I know that Do you know what? I've never seen that. Yeah, good. it's his first one, isn't it? The one that really put him on the map, sort of thing. Because he... Cause he I mean, I'm guessing you've seen his... Um, I know it's very hard to watch, but his Kafka... one. Huh? He made a film um, about Kafka uh, back in 92. Jeremy Irons plays... No, I didn't know that. Oh, well, that, yeah, you might not know about it, purely because it's so underground. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, I've, I've never been able to find anywhere to even buy it. You can only buy it, not even, like, America... It's crazy, but no, he 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 made this 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 film. But uh, I think it's one of those films where, a bit like Naked Lunch, it it has like the guy in like one of his own stories sort of thing. Okay. But he's there, he's an entity in the thing. But no, it's I've never seen it, and I thought I'm I'm not that that surprised you haven't seen it. Cause like I say, I know it's hard to to get hold of. Um. Oh yeah, watch Spawn. Nine nine seven comic book Is film. Is that terrible? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I've never seen it. I always wanted to watch it. Obviously, it's before the the real influx of comic book films that we have now. So obviously, back then they were much more of an unknown quantity, and, and even just the way they were done. Oh, you know, it's one of those really sort of like silly, like guy gets wrong, guy gets burnt alive, guy goes to hell, guy comes back serving the devil. <laughs> that old story. But obviously, <laughs> but obviously, he's a good guy. Really, he's like he's like more like hell hellboy, you know. But then he's not really like Hellboy because he hasn't got a family or he hasn't got like a group of people that are helping him. He's essentially on his own, but he's kind of like. Um, How do they get the look down? Does it look nice or? Well, I think he's quite sort of. The look of Spawn is good. The look of Spawn is good, but then he has this horrible like cape that he has with him that like floats around, and this cape is something where it's like water, and it's almost like um, it goes around a whole room. Like okay. It's a massive cape basically, and that just looks a bit silly, but. I don't know, some of the effects are pretty good. I mean, the best thing about this film is John Liguazami, or how you, I can't remember his second name, the guy from Super Mario Brothers. Um, he plays like this clown, which is called the Violator, and basically he's like this evil clown, basically. Oh, I remember the design of this clown, yeah. I you know, he's the type of clown that goes to kids' parties and starts saying rude things to the kids, yeah. It's a bit suspect as a character, I'll be honest, but he's re- it does liven up the film, I'll give it that, at least, because the guy playing Spawn, I mean, it's Michael... Oh, I don't know, Michael J. something. I, at the time, he was quite big in the, the 90s, but he's one of these, like, worse than Van Damme type actors, you know, so it doesn't really oh. work out. I don't know. I mean, this horrible thing of, um, you know, he comes back as Spawn, he can't obviously talk to people, and uh, he sees his wife's got with his best friend. It's like, you know, I don't know. It's like that. Uh, it's not a lot I can say about the film. I suppose it's directed okay, I guess. You know, visually speaking, there's some I- 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 interesting things to it, and the actual look of Spawn is pretty good. But it's just a really sort of like dog tired story. Um, you know, we've seen it all before. And apart from the Ligua's Army character with the clown, I think it's pretty good. There's not a lot of any that holds your interest. 
And it's, unfortunately, it was made at the time when comic book films weren't quite getting the the real sort of. There were a lot more comic book films in the nineties than I realised, though. Probably, uh, yeah. I mean, I can't think now, but. The Crow. Yeah, because we did all the Punisher and stuff recently. The Crow was one of the best ever made. But, you know, was... Punisher, Blade. Yeah. And stuff. You're right, Blade. Because there's like yeah. obscure ones as well. Tank Girl. I, I haven't seen Tank Girl. I should see Tank Girl because that sounds fun. Yeah, I think you've like I've seen Tank Girl. I think you like Tank Girl. Malcolm Mc... McDowell. Um. I think there's just one more that I would mention, and that is um, Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah. The original Dumb and Dumber now. Now, obviously, this is, if you've seen this film, you'll probably say it's one of your favourite comedies of the 90s. Um, I like this film a lot. I think for a laugh perspective, I probably laugh nearly all the time, all the way through it. There's not a lot that doesn't really land, as they say, with me. Some of the jokes, I think, are the funniest things I've seen in any film. And I think Jim Carrey... And Jeff Daniels have a really kind of like nice relationship that even though obviously they're just pretty like not with it, but they just have a nice sort of way about them with each other. And yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like the fact they get involved in what could be quite a, a high high stakes, you know, game with these like bad people that could end up really badly, but obviously it doesn't. And it's all very laugh funny in, in the end. Nothing really works out like you wanted to, but just really good lighthearted fare that's also a little bit edgy at times, I think. Um... Like, you know, when he, he he's there in the, like, new stand and he's trying to get, like, some sort of comic, I think, from this stand outside. And this old woman shows up and he's like, oh, I don't have any cash on me. Do you mind just looking after my stuff? Gives him all the stuff he's just bought throughout the day. I'll go and get some money and I'll come back. And then, you know, he, all you see then, he, he comes into the flat and, you know, Jeff Downs' character's like, where's, where's, where's the booze? And he's like, I got robbed by a little old lady on a motorized cart, you know, and it's like... Did she rob you? I don't know. Maybe, but just with yeah. M- most of this film's like ingrained in my memory because when, when we were you kids, watched, we watched young, it yeah. quite a lot. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really really funny. Uh, the scene where they're in the in their the stupid dog car and the gangster guys in the car with them and they're just pissing him off like mad and they're not even trying to. Um, oh yeah. Do you, uh, do, you want, do you want do you want to hear the most annoying sound in yeah. the world? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mark. Yeah. 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 Yeah, <laughs> no, it is great. Cause that's because because obviously the whole fun of it before that point, so these people think these people are real real professionals. Yeah. So because they they leave a sign on their door saying, "Look, we've just gone. Sorry, gas gas man, if you come looking for the for the for the money we've gone." He's like, "How do they know I got gas?" He thinks he yeah yeah because he's got an ulcer. Yeah. Also, he? So he's like, you know, oh yeah, and of course the bit with the burger. There's there's loads of good stuff to it, and it's even more of a shame when you watch Dumb and Dumber. Not not Dumb and Dumberer, which I did watch in the cinema, you know, the, the sort of prequel that came oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I haven't seen that. There's not much I'll say about that, really. But Dumb and Dumber 2, two which obviously does have Jim Carrey and Jeff Downs and is the continuing story 15 years on of these two guys. It does get better as I watch it more. But what I realised through watching Dumb and Dumber the first one again is that in the first Dumb and Dumber, it very much is a case it's just those two that are pretty thick. Everyone and I, when I used to work, I mean to be funny, but everyone else is kind of normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, like, and in Dumb and Dumber Two, it's like we have so many more crazier people. Like, it's just like they want to take to that level of, okay, we're all like them. Sort uh, of up thing. the zinginess. Yeah. yeah, up the zinginess, and there's characters in it that are just as over the top, you know. But that's what makes Dumb and Dumber good. The fact that it's basically just them, and they get away with lots of stuff. And yeah, no, like it's one of those films that I don't think I could ever like appraise it properly because mm. I've just got so much memories of watching it when I was a kid it probably isn't a very good film but, uh, but, but you know it, it's really funny in my mind <laughs> yeah 
No, it's just, it does everything well. It does all the jokes, like, for example, the really gross-out jokes, like, you know, you'd expect in these films, like, when he when he puts laxatives in his thing, you know, does all that well. Yeah, yeah, ben yeah. does all the subtle sort of stuff like well. Over that woman, yeah, it does loads of good stuff well, like, where he's just talking to him, oh, yeah. Or, have you ever heard about the monkeys? Oh, they're really, they're really big, if like, influence on, on the Beatles, and it's like, what? But if you just didn't, if you just missed that, you missed that joke, but it's just, there's nice little jokes like that, where they, they talk about quite big-ish, like, quite, like, um quite sort of topical things, but obviously because they just, they don't have a clue, they're just getting confused on what the yeah, situation yeah, is. Yeah. I, I find that sort of thing quite funny. Because, um, yeah, obviously Dumb and Dumber 2 has has to bring Petey back into it, you know, the boy in Petey, as he's older. Of course, he sees him, he's like, you're not going to touch my new boy. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, there's some callbacks we want, some callbacks that we don't, but overall, Dumb and Dumber is probably one of the greatest comedies of all time. Yeah. That and, uh, and Anchorman have... Uh, oh, yeah. Real softball. Yeah, true. So yeah, so I think that's probably about it. Um, we'll try and reconvene again, obviously, in like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, we'll try to do it. Um, we'll hopefully by then, bam, the Superman stuff and uh, yeah, well, we have, hopefully you've look. seen that and you've been sort of. Seeing you will be tempted at some point I'm though. Not you will when it's on TV or if it's free, obviously you'll watch it. I don't know, maybe if it's on Netflix or something, but uh, I don't want to watch it. The major, my major problem with it is the two and a half hour run run time. And I've been told by somebody who has watched it, it is just depressing from beginning to end. You think Man of Steel is depressing. It's even worse. There's no fun stuff in it. Yeah. And that is a bit terrible, considering that even Tim Burton, you know, with those... I mean, okay, my these are my problems with the Chris Nolan uh, thing, where no one likes to like laugh, even when the joke is there. But with Tim Burton, at least there was those I, fun things to it. I rewatched um, The Winter Soldier. Um, oh, okay. Film, yeah. And I'm not as hot on it as you are, because I know you really like it. Uh, but... That film's quite serious for for, for, for those kinds of like, oh yeah, but at the same time, like like Captain America is is this kind of affable kind of nice guy that that, that you like as you're watching it, and he sort of like pulls it like it the the kind of grim kind of bullshit that you get with um, this one doesn't seem to be. Well, it's Zack Snyder, isn't it? Now I think about it, because I know Chris Nolan took it that way. And and, and and I know with the whole Batman thing, it's, this is not with like Superman at all, but but like Batman's always had this thing where a lot of people have taken it in really dark directions. Mm. But actually, but actually, Superman it just doesn't really because Superman's meant to be all about hope and yeah yeah exactly. ju- like and that is the thing I don't like, okay they they they're worried about the sort of super not the hero bit sort of thing. Well, no, they're not even bothered about the super bit. But with but with like Batman, I kind of understand it because the way his character set up, yeah, you could do this really sort of like that if you want. And let's face it, some of the best comics that's how it's been. But even with Batman. You want it to be more... It's still what it is. You want there to be like... You want there to be the scene of... I know Christian kind of did it where the kid's like, oh, it's Batman, you know, the kids are all like that. You want you want it to be... You want those nice you moments. You want it to be Those really like... Put your, put your yeah. arm in it. And I just feel like... Although I'm not first on, super, on like Superman at all as a character, but I just feel like... That's something the sax side. Just, he just get rid of all that for his own idea of everything should be this look. And it should basically go off the Frank Miller template 100%. Yeah, well, you know, maybe you'll check out it out. And I will like check it, it out, or yeah. Something and uh, surprise us. Yeah. But, like, you know, I've read somewhere that Batman brandishes his vic like, people he catches, he brandishes them with, like, a. Like, um, he scolds them with a thing with a Batman sign on the skin. It's like, Batman wouldn't do that. But there we go. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I hear that Ben Affleck, as you said yourself, is actually. No, no, no. Well, he looks like Batman. I mean, yeah, because uh, yeah. he, he looks kind of similar to the squid or the uh, 
um, animated Batman that that is my favourite Batman. <laughs> yeah. um, I like the square jawed Michael uh, Keaton Batman. Yeah. Well, Michael Keaton in this kind of. Michael, there's the one scene. This is why I keep on telling people the one reason why the Tim Burton Batman is still the best. Although Batman Returns is pretty close, why Tim Burton Batman is still probably the best of all the Batman films that have ever been made is because I mean, um, films not the animated thing is for that one very scene right at the very beginning where Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne has got the um, oh he's got something in his hand he's trying to get rid of it and he's like trying to put it places and he can never really find where to put it and then every time he puts it Alfred's coming along and like taking it so he puts a glass and it almost falls off Alfred picks it up nice little moments like that which although that Batman film is meant to be quite dark in you know many ways it has you know nice nice little moments well there's the fun bit where he's if you remember where he gets shot and he's got like a tray underneath his shirt mm. and he goes ah I'm crazy as yeah, he's yeah. as he's trying to provoke the Joker to shoot him and yeah. it's, it's quite funny yeah. anyway so there, there we go so <laughs> But the less said about Batman and Robin, the better, I think. But yeah. Oh, no, Batman and Robin's really funny. Okay. All right, then. Okay, so um, that's it then. All right, bye then. Bye.